Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Superhero action figures over seven inches tall. It's the Riley and Jimmy Show. Lots of action for one and all. Action figures over seven inches tall. The Riley and Jimmy Show. And welcome to episode number 1,595. It's a special day. It's a cartoon alternative kind of day. That That's right, our... Our brief tribute to cartoons, and my cartoon is right next to me. Jimmy, I got one name. Jimmy. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Everybody. Hi. Hi there. I'm your host, Patrick Riley. You know what you are? You're bumbling, stupid, incompetent, and useless. And those are your good points. Uh, yeah, that that's so true. Somebody who doesn't have those points, she has better ones. Except for one thing, she just happens to be a little. That's Kimmy. She's always doing something new, and that includes on this day. What day is that? Saturday. It's a Saturday edition of the Riley and Kimmy Show. You can listen any day of the week. By the way, this episode doesn't have, it doesn't have to be just on Saturday. And you can listen to new shows every single day. That's right, brand new one. It's a daily pop culture talk show. That's what we have here with the Riley and Kimmy Show. And being a Saturday, we want to talk about cartoons on our website. You can find a cartoon grid of every single cartoon you know that ran during Saturday mornings starting back in the 50s to when the networks quit doing that in the 2000s. And you can compare what was going on from one network to the other. What was against Scooby-Doo, you can find out on NBC or ABC or whatever. And you can find out for the 1970s or, you know, 75, 77 or 80s or 90s or all the way back to the 50s. And we're going to see how good Kimmy is right now with this uh, cartoon tribute, little cartoon trivia segment of the Riley and Kimmy show. We have a cartoon theme that has been reversed, Kimmy. Uh Uh-oh. Let's see if you can identify this classic cartoon theme. Here's your clue. Kimmy, do you know the cartoon theme? Oh, yes. What is it? The Jetsons. Yes, the Jetsons. And who was the head of the household of the Jetsons? George Jetson. Help! Help! Jane, stop this crazy thing! Help! A little uh, cartoon tribute there, and you can find out more about cartoons and what happened on Saturday mornings on our website. Also on our website, social media links. Stay in touch with us. Find out where we will be next. Chances for you to win that way. Also... And also listen to uh, archived interviews we have. Watch them, too. We have celebrity interviews available. Also, we have easiest way to take us anywhere on planet Earth. The platforms of iHeartRadio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. All of these, the archived episodes and pop culture news and information available on our website. What's our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com Find archived podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com I'm Patrick Riley. I'm Kimmy. We're the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. We're 
available for your next event in Florida. Please consider the Riley and Kimmy Show for your pop culture or nostalgia-based event. Art shows. Exhibitions. Festivals. Grand openings. Home and garden shows. Car shows. Collectible shows. Conventions. Animal and pet-related events. Let us promote your event with customized commercials and interviews. Live on-site promotions and podcasts. Please contact us on Facebook Messenger. All communications kept confidential. Pop culture escapism. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play a game? That's the question for this Saturday. Can Kimmy play trivia? Is her mind uh, here? Or is she thinking about cartoons? What say you? Yeah, what say you, Kimmy? Would you like to play pop culture trivia? Yes, I would. The timeline may or may not be adjusted, meaning it may or may not be running in chronological order. Regardless, Kimmy needs your help. Whisper, talk to, shout at, yell at, whatever computing device you're listening to the Riley and Kimmy show right now on anything. It could be anything because we are mobile, we are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth on that laptop, desktop, tablet, smartphone, or computing device. Very first question we have for you, Kimmy, deals with something, uh, well, temperature-related. It's hot. Gosh, it's hot. Yes, it was hot until this person patented the air conditioner. What year did the air conditioner receive its patent? We give you a plus or minus of 10 years. 1940? It was 1919. Wow. That W.H. Carrier patented the design of his air conditioner. By the 30s, you would find some uh, movie theaters that would be air conditioned. You would see, you can see this in stills. They would say, you know, spend the day for five cents or a dime or whatever in air conditioning. Hmm. Now, it's a different story about residential, unless you had mm. wealth when... You know, houses started having AC. Mm-hmm. It was on this date, 1940. This person in his orchestra recorded this song. Tell me who it is. Kimmy, can you tell me who that is? Glenn Miller? Yes. And by the way, that was a telephone number they were talking about there. That's the way they used to call up people with, you know, names and numbers. You just didn't punch it in or didn't say, hey, Mabel, give me Ralph. You had to do things like that. Mm. 1957, this person was seen on television for the first time. News journalist Kimmy would have a huge career in television. See if you can identify him from 1957. Here's your clue. Good evening. Tonight we go after the story of a blonde film star who resents being called England's answer to Marilyn Monroe. You see her behind me. She's Diana Doors. If you're curious to know what kind of girl becomes an international glamour queen, what kind of concessions and compromises she must make, and if you want to hear why Diana Doors says that fame isn't all it's cracked up to be, we'll go after those stories in just a minute. Diana Doors is one of England's leading film stars. A bosomy blonde bundle with a flair for publicity that is extraordinary even by American standards. The daughter of a railway clerk, or Clark, Miss Doors, like so many Hollywood actresses, has wanted to be a star since she was a child. And her success as a blonde bombshell in films has been meteoric thanks in large part to her ready wit and her ability to carry off such publicity stunts as sailing down Venice's Grand Canal in a gondola while clad in a mink bikini. Can you tell me who that journalist is? Um, Charles Corral? Oh, no, Kimmy. Uh, He's known for 60 minutes. He was doing what? With you. Why? 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 What is- Hold it a minute, What the dickens are you doing? Who wants to kill you? It's almost an embarrassment, sir, to hear this from you. Yes, you. I'm nosy. You're going to be in Japan, and I'm told it's a $2 million two weeks. Can you tell me who that is? Yeah, I can picture him. His son son works on Fox News. 
Mm-mm. That doesn't help. That's Mm-mm. Mike Wallace, 1957, first time on TV. It's 1959. This person is seen for the last time on the television show that has his name associated with it on CBS. See if you can identify who it is. Lonesome Roads is, well, a little bit based on him and facing the crowd. Now it says that I'm supposed to have a tray with soup and... Oh, bless your sweetheart. Oh, you handsome man, you. This is supposed to be a slim, graceful vase of flowers. (laughs) It looks pretty short and fat and dumpy. Can you tell me who that is? No. Oh, shame on you, Kimmy. That's Arthur Godfrey. He is referenced to in Face in the Crowd. Lonesome Rhodes is against him on, in TV battle, uh, but he, he does mention him. But he, Lonesome Rhodes is sort of based on Arthur Godfrey, one of the warmest human beings on camera. If you get a chance to look at him, archived uh, television footage, he was fantastic. But according to reports, he was a monster behind the scenes. The year's 1987 on a plane returning to Boston from Miami. This rock star bought three rounds of drinks and sang this song over the PA. I don't know if he called it Crazy Plane, if he changed it to that, mm. but who is that, Kimmy? Ozzy Osbourne. That's right, 1996. This person gave a four-and-a-half-hour videotape testimony as a defense witness in a criminal trial. Tell me who it is. No, I didn't say that. I said that was your characterization. Well, this thing's been going on for over three years. Tens of millions of dollars have been spent. And there have been, by the way, two federal reports by independent agencies saying that what I said and what my wife said in the very beginning of this was true, that we were not involved in running the savings and loan, that we lost money on a real estate deal, and that this whole inquiry is is going after two people who lost money on a real estate deal made almost 19 years ago now. Can you tell me who that is? Bill Clinton. You're right. The year's 1999. This recording artist receives a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Who is it? Who is it, Kimmy? Tom Petty. That's right. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers receive a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. The year is 1999. This recording artist, this performer, walks off stage during a concert in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, He walks out when he realizes that someone has put a large yellow smiley face on a stage prop. 23 arrests were made in the aftermath of him walking off stage in Iowa. Who is it? Is it, Kimmy? Marilyn Manson. You're right. Moving to 2014, this person announces he's leaving a certain show at the end of 2014. Who is it? Good evening, everyone. Before we begin the show tonight, I'd like to make a special announcement. Uh, There's been some speculation in the press recently about the state of late night television and uh, who does what and where they're going to be doing it. (laughs) I can't help myself. So... Uh, I want to address my position in all of that because uh, because it's time. Um, about two years ago, I had decided after eight years of doing the show that it was probably time for me to move on and do something else. And CBS came to me at that time and said, well, you could hang around and we'll give you a fancy new studio and a podium for your uh, gay robot skeleton and a, <laughs> and a stable for your horse and an invisible band behind a curtain. We'll give you all the trappings of late night television. And I said, OK. And so I've stayed for another two years. But that two years is up. And uh, at the end of this year, I will be stepping down as the host of this show. <laughs> everybody that was quite convincing (laughs) i'll be stepping down at the end of this year uh in december 
and I'll, then I'll go and do something else. Yeah, I wish he would. Can you tell me who that is? Craig Ferguson. Yes, he's missed, isn't he? Yes. Celebrity and notables, famous people born on this date in history. 1758, this person was born. Tell me why he is on the famous list. James Monroe. He was a president. Yes, you're right, Kimmy. He was the fifth president of the United States. His nickname was the Last Cocked Hat. How would you like to have that as your nickname? Mm. Hey, Last Cocked Hat. Come on, come on. rolls right oh, off the Oh, yeah, tongue. you're the Last Cocked Hat. Okay, this person born 1878, an actor, Kimmy. He won the Academy Award for Best Actor for his performance in A Free Soul in 1931. Most people, though, know him playing a very cantankerous character in a 1946 film. Tell me who it is. The point is, I want to hire you. I want you to manage my affairs, run my properties. George, I'll start you out at $20,000 a year. You wouldn't mind living in the nicest house in town? Buying your wife a lot of fine clothes, a couple of business trips to New York a year, maybe once in a while Europe. You wouldn't mind that, would you, George? George Bailey, whose ship has just come in, provided he has enough brains to climb aboard. Oh, confounded man, are you afraid of success? I'm offering you a three-year contract at $20,000 a year starting today. Is it a deal or isn't it? Humongous, huge money for 1946 time period. Can you tell me who that is? Lionel Barrymore? Yes, you got it right, and he played the character Mr. Potter Mm -hmm. in It's a Wonderful Life. He's also known for playing Scrooge on radio, probably the best version of Scrooge. I put it up against cinema of all time. If you're really curious about that, we have one of those archived episodes of him playing Scrooge available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. And Lionel Barrymore's voice was imitated for a villain in a certain cartoon. Kimmy, can you tell me what cartoon? Mm, no. Underdog. That is Simon Bar Sinister's Ooh. voice a little bit. Next person is part of Forgotten Hollywood. You would not know this name, unfortunately. That's Michael Fitzmorris. He was an American radio actor. He did some work in front of the camera, but more behind it. June of 1950, he took over the title role of Superman. He did the voice of Clark Kent in Superman. He took over for Bud Collier. He was on that series for 78 episodes, right up to the end of the series. And then he became part of a radio show called Black Hawk, which, by the way, is about to become a film. Steven Spielberg has been announced to be doing Black Hawk. Well, he was the voice of the lead character, for the comic book radio program that became uh, known in the 50s for a brief period of time. It's only actually a few months on the air. And we're talking about Michael Fitzmorris, who was born on this date. Moving to another birthday, Kimmy. Books! Books! All the books I'll need! All the books! All the books I'll ever want! All the books I want! All the books! This next person, born on this date, 1926, wrote the book To Kill a Mockingbird, published in 1960. Who is it? Um, I always have trouble with her name. Um, and I know it. It's just one of those names that's hard to retain. Um, what are her initials? H.L. Harper Lee. That's right, Kimmy Harper Lee, born on this date, 1926, died 2016 at the age of 89. Next person, known for film, but more known for a certain TV show that ran from 1964 to 1966. Identify the TV show. The Addams Family. You're right, Kimmy. Tell me who was born 1930 on this date. Darling, you remembered. Oh, I'm so excited, I can't get it open. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Thing. Oh, darling, what a sensible gift. A bat net. Janita, it's a nightgown. Oh? Lace for a 13th. Oh, darling, it's beautiful. And my favorite color, too. Black. Can you tell me who that is? 
Carolyn Jones. Yes. What character did she play on The Addams Family? Morticia. Kind of a trick question. You're right on that one. She also played Ophelia Frump. That was her sister. Mm. And she was actually the female version to the thing. She was Lady Fingers. Oh. Yeah. So she. you, know, you realize uh, who played Lurch, Ted Cassidy, was the thing. Mm. He, he was the actual hand. She was in 64 episodes, that's all, and she was on a certain TV series you saw for the first time her appearance, I think, where you paid attention was last week on MeTV, I think it was, or the week before. They had her in an episode of Batman. She played Marsha, Queen of Diamonds, in five episodes from 1966 to 1967, and if you have the opportunity to see the classic movie, The Man in the Net, 1959, Alan Ladd and she are together, and she plays something totally different. She plays quite evil. Not playful, fun evil like Morticia. I don't think Morticia's evil. The, uh, you know, she's more goth. Uh, this one's evil. 1959 film, The Man in the Net. Moving back to birthdays, Kimmy, tell me why this person's on the famous list. What makes him famous? Anne Margaret. Well, she was an actress and singer. Yeah, you got them both right. Uh, best known for her roles in Bye Bye Birdie, 1963, which is loosely based on Elvis and Conway Twitty combined. Viva Las Vegas with Elvis. She might have been a love uh, thing with him. Who knows for sure. 1964, she was in the Cincinnati Kids, 65. Carnal Knowledge, 71. Tommy in 75. Grumpy Old Men, 93. And the spinoff in 95. Next individual, actress known for this TV series. Kimmy, identify it. Well, the names have all changed since you hung around. But those dreams have remained and they've turned around. What is the show? Welcome back, Cotter. Welcome back. She's known for Welcome Back, Cotter. She played Mrs. Cotter, Julie Cotter, married to Gabe Kaplan, uh, his character, that is. And she was in the films Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in 89, and Honey, I Blew Up the Kid in 92. Can you tell me who she is? Here's a brief audio clue. For most of my life, stage four meant some studio in Hollywood. I've played different characters in more TV shows and movies than I can count. But now, stage four means something completely different to me. In March 2007, I was diagnosed with stage four metastatic breast cancer that had spread to my bones. Today, I see my doctor for regular checkups, take medications for my cancer, and to maintain my bone health, and I'm just living my life. I'm managing my cancer thanks to years of innovative research and clinical studies that have led the battle against cancer. I know that this research has been the key to my staying healthy, and that's why I encourage everyone to get involved so we can find a cure together. To find out more about my story, you can go to my Facebook page. Then please check out how you can help by going to StandUpToCancer.org. Stand up with me for someone you love with cancer. Can you tell me who that is? Jan Smithers. Oh, interesting guess. She played on WKRP, if I mm. remember correctly. That's one who played Bailey. No, it's Marsha Strassman. And mm. you're right about that. They look alike, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, quite similar. That's a very good guess. And Marsha, by the way, passed away 2014 at the age of 66. Moving to somebody else born on this date, 1950. Tell me who it is. 22 years. That's a long time. Here's how long ago it was. When I started hosting, marijuana was illegal, and you could smoke cigarettes any place you wanted. Can you tell me who's celebrating a birthday? Jay Leno. How old is he today? Within five years. Um, 64. He is 68 today. Next person. This individual won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in 2008. It was for Vicky Cristina Barcelona. She was the first Spanish actress in history to receive an Academy Award and the first Spanish actress to receive a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Here she is talking about making the movie Sahara in 2005, that film. Tell me who it is. That's me, yes. What you just saw, that's all of us, the actors doing it. We did almost all of it ourselves, which wow. I didn't know. I thought actors used to lie about, you know, in the action movies, action adventure movies. I thought all of them used to say, yes, I did it. And I thought it wasn't true until I got there and they told me, I need you to gallop in, in a, a little bit of time for you to train. We trained for a long time. I need you to gallop 40 kilometers per hour next to a train in motion in a specific order with the guys, like a huge choreography. 
And I thought they were crazy at the beginning. But I like a challenge like that. So I trained for a long time for that scene. I think it's one of the best scenes of the movie. And I'm very happy with the result because I had nightmares about the camel at the beginning. Because people had told me what you said, like they right. were mean and stupid. And it's not like that. But, it, you know, after training for a long time, I really became friends with my camel. And I was like every day thinking, please don't don't throw us off. You know, I didn't want any of us to get hurt. And, and nothing bad happened. Can you tell me who that is? Mm, no. Here's your extra clue, Kimmy. She had a three-year relationship with Tom Cruise after he appeared in Vanilla Sky. That relationship ended January 2004. Mm, still can't. Penelope. Cruise. Yes. How old is she today within five years? Uh, 53. She's 44. Next person, actress, Kimmy. Tell me how old she is within five years once you identify her. Here's your clue. Maybe I'll prove both of you wrong. Maybe I'll go crazy. Crazy sounding pretty good right now. Can you tell me who that is? That is Jessica Alba. Yes, from what? Sin City. Uh, yeah, actually, Sin City, a dame to kill for in 2014. Can you tell me how old she is within five years? Um, 40? Jessica Alba, today, celebrating her 37th birthday. I see dead people. Notable deaths, famous people, celebrities who died on this date in history. This next person was actually a singer, big in singing during the big band days, but became... Known for a certain TV show as an actor. Kimmy, known for this show, tell me the TV show. Can you identify the Western? Big Valley? No, take another guess. It was big on CBS. Gunsmoke? Yes, Gunsmoke. Known for the TV show Gunsmoke, tell me who the actor is. Feeder with Kitty. That there wasn't my idea. That there was my Grandpa Hog Higgins' idea. Well, you see, Matthew, the way it was is Grandpa Hog Higgins was the only one of us Higgins that could read reading. And I recollect when I wasn't no bigger than a tater bug, Grandpa used to read us youngins these here stories out of the Bible. Golly, Bill, no, Doc. Of course, I'd done a few little G-Jaws at the very beginning. Well, when I seen that them there waters wasn't going to open up for me, and, and them fellers are nipping at my boot heels about to catch up with me, I seen this old heifer, and I just collared her and rode her right on through, don't you see? First of all, can you tell me the character he is known for on Gunsmoke? I sure can't. That is Festus. Shame on you. And I take it you can't tell me the name of the actor. Mm -mm. That is Ken Curtis, who passed away on this date in 1991 at the age of 74. Next person died 2007 at the age of 78, an American saxophonist. Tell me why he is famous, Kimmy. Tommy Newsom. He's known for something on television. Oh, yeah. He was on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. <laughs> Yeah, we'll accept that. He uh, was the assistant uh, music director, if you will, band leader, assistant, that is. He would fill in for Doc Severinsen on The Tonight Show. He passed away on this date, 2007. Kimmy, I think you did a fantastic job on this Saturday. Uh, thank you very much. Oh, You're quite welcome. We're going to go back in time and honor something we talked about on Trivia with the Golden Age of Radio. mentioned moments ago that actor Michael Fitzmorris was born on this date in 1908. We have an excellent example of the golden age of radio, something he starred in in 1942. It's titled, Will You Make a Bet with Death? It's a great suspenseful story about a man who matches his life against his evil stepfather for $25,000. Can a man stake his life against $25,000? Can another and a cleverer man track him down like a hunter stalking his prey and kill him within five hours? Here's the thrilling episode, Will You Make a Bet with Death? 1942, our tribute to Michael Fitzmorris 
on the Riley and Kimmy Show. nighttime, the hushed voice and the prowling step, the stir of nerves at the ticking of the clock, the rescue that might be too late, the crime that is almost committed, mystery and intrigue and dangerous adventures. We invite you to enjoy stories that keep you in suspense. Can a man stake his life against $25,000? Can another and cleverer man track him down like a hunter, stalking his prey and kill him within five hours? Can you make a bet with death and win? For suspense, tonight we present Will You Make a Bet with Death by John Dixon Carr. On a summer day. There's the beach, bright colored with bathing suits. There's the boardwalk, all straw hats and summer dresses. There's the Ferris wheel and the roller coasters. There, there is all humanity eating hot dogs and having a good time. And over there, beyond that souvenir shop, is the haunted mill. You get into a little boat. You float through a narrow tunnel into the dark while witches scream. But that fools nobody, does it? There couldn't be any real terror. Could there? While the bands are playing and the crowd goes by and... Ladies and gentlemen, a unique attraction. It hurts me to see you stand there and miss this. Only ten cents, one dime, the tenth part of a dollar to go through the old haunted mill and get the thrill of your life. An overstatement, if you ask me. One uh, ticket, please. Did you say one ticket, lady? That's right, one ticket. What's the thrill? A uh, big pardon, lady. I said, what's the thrill? Lady, the gals who come here with their boyfriends don't have to ask that. Ten cents, please, this way and mind the gate. Thank you. Step right up, ladies and gentlemen. Get your ticket for the old haunted mill where ghosts will walk and corpses... Give me some tickets. Uh, Hurry. Just a minute, young fella. I know you want to get into the old haunted mill, but there's plenty of time. How many tickets? I don't know. <laughs> Better give me ten. Ten tickets. Do you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? Here's a young fella who likes the old haunted mill so much, he buys ten tickets. Don't call everybody's attention. Listen, I've got a better idea. Whatever boat comes after mine, yeah, I'll give you an extra dollar to send that boat through empty. Now, what's the matter, son? The cops ain't after you, are they? No, 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 no. It's nothing like that. Will you do it? Well, money talks, young fella. Okay, go ahead. Isn't there an empty boat here? Well, really? You've got such a great objection to riding in the same boat with me? Oh, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean that at all. Don't misunderstand. Then you'd better get in if you want to go. This boat's starting to move. Uh, yeah, I, I... I better sit down. You certainly had. Look here, I, I... I want to apologize. That's quite unnecessary. This place is rather childish anyway, isn't it? Yes. Isn't it? But I've seen everything else, so I may as well see this. Here we go in the dark. Oh, what was that? Uh, one of the ghosts, I imagine, from a machine. It sounded like him laughing. There isn't anybody in the boat behind us, is there? Oh, I can't see. It's pitch dark. Listen, Miss... Uh, uh, Miss... My name is Andrews, Betty Andrews, if it's customary to exchange names in a place like this. Mine's Pendrel. Bob Pendrel. Did you say Pendrel? Yes. Do you know it? Oh, no, no, not exactly. It's, it's an unusual name, that's all. I... I don't want you to think I'm out of my mind. Though I very nearly am. But I've got five hours to go. Just five hours. At the end of that time, either I'll have won $25,000 or... Or else... Or else? Or else... 
I'll be dead. <laughs> you know, I wish I'd kept you away from this boat. Well, there's nothing to get alarmed about. For you. I can't tell you much, but I had to tell somebody that or I'd have started yelling. There's just one other thing. Is there? In these places, they've usually got little dim-lighted rooms along the way. Yes, exhibits and things. Yes. Well, when we come to one, I'm going to get out of this boat and hide there. Just don't get alarmed, and don't tell anybody when you go out. Why should you do that? I think I see a light ahead. There is a light, but... Dim, too. That's all for the good. It's... Yes? We're coming around the corner. Look, I'm going to have company when I get off. A waxed dead man on a pile of straw. <laughs> oh, I hope I can stand these noises. Goodbye, Betty Andrews. I wish we'd met at a different time. Mind the boat. Here, what are you doing? Getting out, too. Don't be an idiot. What's the idea? You need looking after, Mr. Pendrell. And if we must hide, I suppose this is as good a place as any. I won't have it. Quick, quick. There'll be more boats along. Over behind that dead man on the straw. He'll hide us. Hurry. Well... Now, Mr. Pendrell, in the queerest place I ever get into, please tell me what this is all about. I can't tell you. You said it yourself. If you don't tell somebody, you go crazy. <sighs> Maybe you're right. It's against the strict terms of the bet. But this is the last day. And I tell you, I can't hold out any longer. Lower your voice, lower your voice. There's a boat coming. <laughs> I wonder... I wonder if you ever heard of my stepfather, John Destry. Yes. I imagine everybody has. He's a millionaire, and and I'm not. I'm just a chemist, an analytical chemist. Not very successful. So if I'd had time, if I'd had money, I might have worked out a process that would have... Well, I think it would have helped in the war. But he's got money. Yes, he's got money. Well, my mother died years ago. This, this Destry's a, a big, white-haired, fine-looking fellow... You'd think butter wouldn't melt in his mouth. He's got an apartment in the East 60s. Secretary, I never met her. Valet, cook, that kind of thing. Well, he used to invite me there. I wouldn't go. Then he got hold of a book I had to have. A German work on chemicals. So I went. After dinner in that study of his, over the brandy... <laughs> My dear Robert, you're quite welcome to the book. Don't mention it. Oh, uh, what do you think of this brandy, by the way? <laughs> it's excellent, thanks. Yes, yes, I thought you'd like it. And now that we're all relaxed, comfortable after dinner, tell me something. Yes, Mr. Destry? You hate me, don't you? <laughs> Frankly, I do. And always have. Good, good. <laughs> then you'll be relieved to hear I've always felt the same about you. <laughs> But tell me something else. Did you ever know me to break my word? No, I never did. I'll give you that. I asked you, Robert, because uh, I want to make a little bet with you. That is, uh, if you have the nerve, which I doubt. Well, I'm afraid I can't afford to make bets. Uh, you were always careless with money, Robert. <laughs> well, I've been thrifty. I saw that when your mother was alive. But you can afford to make this bet... Look here, in my desk. Well? $25,000, Robert. $25,000 in five $100 bills. And what would I have to bet against that? Your life. What? My life? There's the money in the drawer. Look at it. What wouldn't you give for that money? What wouldn't you give to have it for this precious work of yours that you're so fond of? And that you've failed in miserably. So far I've failed, yes. Oh, I've had a fairly good life as lives go. My heart isn't as good as it might be, but the doctors say I've... I'll last a little while yet. But before I go, there's one pleasure. One little exquisite thrill for me to experience. I want to commit a murder. Yes, I said a murder. My bet is that I can kill you within six months and that you can't stop me. 
and that I'll never be punished for it. What do you say? Yes or no? I believe you mean that. Of course I mean it. And just how would you propose to kill me? Ah, that would be telling. You know, if I had time to think this thing over... There's no thinking it over. Now. Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> you must need the money badly, Robert. I do need it. But oddly enough, Mr. Destry, that isn't why I'm doing this. No? No. I want to show you you can't play the Lord Almighty and get away with it. Are you challenging me? Yes. You don't think I can do it? I know you can't. I, uh, we, we mustn't get excited, Robert. Uh, there will be conditions to the bet, you understand? What conditions? First of all... You'll never mention this matter to anyone. All right. That seems fair enough. You'll remain within the city limits of New York for six months. You'll spend at least one hour of every day walking the open streets alone. All right. You'll spend at least one hour every evening in your own room alone. I may come to see you, or uh, <laughs> I may not. Mm. Trying to scare me already, are you? Finally, you'll write out a little note and give it to me. There's pen and paper on the desk in front of you. Write it now. Let's hear what I have to write before I do anything like that. You will write, I am a failure. You can't stop harping on that, can you? I am a failure. And this was the only way out. I wouldn't have done it otherwise. A suicide note? Yes. I intend to use it when I, uh, <laughs> operate. And if I won't write it? Ooh. Then there's no bet. All right, I'll do it. Hmm. It's now, uh, let's see, nine o'clock on the night of January the 10th. If you're alive and not in a madhouse... Does that go into the bargain, too? Yes. At nine o'clock on the night of June 10th, given those conditions, you will receive $25,000. Can't you hear the dice rattle, Robert? <laughs> You're playing with death now. I know it. Uh, aren't you going to finish your brandy? No, thank you. Oh, then uh, pour it back into the decanter. You heard me. Pour it back into the decanter. If you were as careful as I am, you, uh, you wouldn't be where you are now. That's right. Always be thrifty. I can promise you, by the way, that you'll always be perfectly safe as long as you're in this apartment. But that's the only concession I make. Oh, I notice your hands are steady uh, at the moment. I wonder what they'll be like a month from now. <laughs> So you were fool enough to make a bet with John Destry. Listen, Betty. I want to tell you what else happened the same night. I got on a Fifth Avenue bus and started to look through that book that Destry gave me. It was a book that I wanted about poisons. Well, just as I opened it, I felt something sharp prick my fingers. I looked down, and my hands were covered with blood. He had sewn safety razor blades in a line down the inside edge of the cover. Oh, no. Yeah. A little white card fell out of the book, and I read it. It said, See how easy it is to take you off guard? Those razor blades aren't poisoned, but they might have been. Take warning. Oh. Betty, that was six months ago. Six months less five hours of careful, refined torture. And now, I've got only five hours to go. What's he done in the meantime? Nothing. Nothing? I don't understand. Nothing at all. That's the cleverness of it. He's left me waiting, waiting, waiting. Expecting something. Expecting it every hour of the day or night. Once at the laboratory where I work, I opened a box that I thought was from a chemical supply house. And a Mexican tarantula, one of those furry spiders about as big as your fist, oh, no. ran out across my hand. Oh. It was a toy tarantula. 
He enclosed a card asking whether I didn't admire it. Bob, this can't go on. I used to think I didn't have a nerve in my body. I could hold a test tube at arm's length absolutely steady for minutes at a time. Now look at me. Don't, please, don't. But the waiting's almost over now. Walking the streets, wondering who's behind you. Sitting alone at night, listening for every step on the stair. He's got very little time left now, and he's got to do something. The question is, what's he going to do? Well, maybe he doesn't mean it. Maybe, maybe he's only doing it to scare you. And lose all that money? Oh, you don't know my stepfather. Listen. Huh? I, I don't hear anything. That's just it. There's no sound of running water. The boats have stopped. Then we're all by ourselves in here. Or with him. Yes. Oh, Lord, how I wish I hadn't gotten you into this. Oh, I'm all right. Uh, or at least I think I am. I thought I saw him in the crowd outside, but I couldn't be sure. I, I'm seeing him everywhere. Now, Bob, just a minute. Just tell me one more thing. Did you ever see Mr. Destry, I mean face to face, after that first night? Oh, many times. He came to see you? He came to my laboratory once, yes, but mostly I went to see him. And why? Because it was the only place in the world I could feel safe. He's promised that nothing should happen to you while you were in his apartment. Don't you see? It was part of a torture. Night after night he'd invite me. And I'd go right up until last night. Last night. We were in that study of his with the devil masks on the walls. And he was sitting behind the big mahogany desk. My dear Robert, I'm pleased and uh, even touched to have you here on the last night before you, uh, <clears throat> before you... Uh... Why don't you say die and get it over with? Oh, well, let's not say die. No? <laughs> the clergy contend that we never die. We only change. Oh. Now, let that be a consolation for you. Uh, must you be going so early? There's that one-hour-at-home rule to our bet, if you remember. I remember. You're keeping to the rule. Yes, and I mean to beat you at this if it's the last thing I ever do. The last thing I ever do. That's an unfortunate choice of phrase, Robert. My boy, you haven't a chance. Something's going to happen to you within the next 24 hours when you least expect it. Will you answer me one question? If I choose. Have you decided... How you mean to kill me? I decided that six months ago. And you still think you can get away with it? It's a method which has never been known to fail. I give you my word of honor on that. Is it... Is it... Sudden? Yes. Uh, and no. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know what it is? Good night, Mr. Destry. I... I think I'd better be leaving. No, no, my dear boy. You mustn't go yet. Sit down. Pour yourself a glass of brandy. No, thanks. Uh, then perhaps you wouldn't mind pouring me a little. Uh, my doctor allows brandy, though I'm forbidden spirits. Uh, I, uh, I notice your hands are shaking uh, quite a good deal. They weren't like that six months ago, were they? <laughs> no, no. You were full of confidence then. Oh. <laughs> and it grieves me to see you waste tobacco by lighting a cigarette and putting it out immediately. Oh, it's no use lying to you. But I'm going to beat you just the same. You wouldn't like to back out now? After what I've been through? You'd still have your life. I'll keep it, thanks. Mm, that's very unwise of you, Robert. Still, you must decide. Oh, I was expecting my secretary a little later to dictate some letters. But now, um, I think I'll leave her a message that I've gone to bed and uh, turn in myself. Tomorrow is likely to prove an interesting day for both of us. Here's your hat, here's your briefcase, and let me wish you a fond, peaceful, and happy good night. <laughs>
That was last night, Betty. I saw I had five hours to go. It's less than four hours now. If I can keep away from the old devil until nine o'clock. I wish those boats would start running again. Why? Because it's almost as spooky in here as a real old mill. I know. Even that wax dummy on the straw. Any minute now, You're I... expecting to see him move? So am I. Now, don't stand up. It doesn't matter. If the boats aren't running, we can hear anybody who comes along. I hope so. Do you think Destry's got in? Bobby can't have got in. He can't even be here. Why not? Because Mr. Destry told me... Mr. Destry told you? I'm his secretary. <laughs> you know, Betty Andrews, I'm sorry it was you who did this. Did what? You can't guess, can you? Oh, Bob, I didn't come here to trap you or spy on you. If that's what you're thinking, I swear I didn't. No. You only got me to tell you the whole story and lose my bet. I haven't heard a single word you said. Bob, please believe that. He didn't send you here, of course. No, no. And of course you never saw me at his apartment last night. No, I swear I didn't. I got there late. He'd gone to bed. I didn't even take off my hat or gloves before I left again. Don't you understand, Bob? I hate him, too. I want to see you beat him. You've got to beat him. You mean that? Look at me and see if I mean it. Betty, I almost believe you. You must believe me. And... Anything else? We better hide behind that dead man, hurry. Those boats have started up again. I wish I could tell you, Betty, what that means to me. Come on, come on, hurry. Wait a minute, you two. But... Stay just where you are. Where's that voice coming from? Along the tunnel, I think. But it's not Destry's voice. No, it's a man standing up in a boat. He's coming around the corner. I can see him now. Hurry. The old haunted mill, eh? My golly, if this ain't some place to make a pinch, I never heard of one. What do you mean, make a pinch? Just what I said. Your name Robert Penrill? Yes. Who are you and what do you want? Police headquarters. You're here to come along with me. I want to see you over in New York. About what? I wouldn't know, lady, but it might be about the murder of John Destry. Oh, no! Did you say the murder of John Destry? That's right. Somebody poisoned him last night with mercury cyanide. I wouldn't have got you at all, maybe, if the barker outside there hadn't thought the cops were after you to start with. Betty. Yes, Bob? He's beaten me. He hasn't beaten you. Oh, yes, he has. And I know now the weapon Destry was going to use in killing me. What weapon? It never fails. The electric chair. You mustn't talk like that. Don't you see? He never once intended to kill me in the way I thought. Are you coming quietly, Mr. Pendle? Just a minute. He's poisoned himself. But he's left evidence to show I did it. He's killing me the worst way possible. He's won the bet. The money doesn't matter now. If I'm in the death house for murder, what use have I got for all the money in the world? Let me introduce myself. My name's Mullen, Inspector Mullen. It's a pleasure to meet you, Inspector. It's a pleasure to be safe again. I've had you brought here to my office for a little quiet talk. You're in a jam, son, and I want you to realize how bad it is. You think I don't realize it? John Destry was poisoned with mercury cyanide administered in a glass of brandy. And only my fingerprints were on the glass besides his own. I can guess. Mr. Destry's body was found this morning lying behind the desk in the study. There was an empty glass with traces of brandy and cyanide. Now, we haven't had the full autopsy report, but the smell of that stuff is pretty distinctive. They tell me uh, you're a chemist, Mr. Penderell. That's right. The boys find that eight grains of mercury cyanide are missing from your laboratory. Where he visited me a month ago. And in your briefcase, which you took away from his apartment last night... He handed it to me. I remember. We found over $1,000 in cash. Now, take a look at this note. Did you ever see it before? Look. Yes. I wrote it. You admit that? Yes, yes, yes. It says... I was a failure, and this was the only way out. I wouldn't have done it otherwise. Where did you find it? Torn up in little bits. You started to write a confession, and then you couldn't face the consequences. But you shouldn't have left the pieces behind. You're infinite, my boy. Unless... Unless what? 
Now, if you'd like to confess here and now, and maybe we did a little deal about second-degree murder, Oh, Inspector, why bother to string me along? What do you mean, string you along? There's no second-degree murder on a poison charge. It's the death house or nothing. He saw to that. It's too bad you had to go and kill him, son. Didn't you know he had an aneurysm? A what? Fatal heart disease. He said that he had heart trouble, but... Heart trouble. His doctor says he couldn't have lived eight or ten months anyway. And you might have got something in the will. So that's why he did it. Did what? Killed himself. You still stick to that crazy story you told the boy? He's going to kill me, isn't he? With 3,000 volts of electricity. Inspector Mullen. What are you doing here, Sergeant? Didn't I say I wasn't to be disturbed? All the same, Inspector. I thought I'd better do it. There's a young lady here, a Miss Betty Andrews. I think you'd better see her. I'll see her when I'm good and ready. And I think you'd better see her, Inspector. We've just heard from Mr. Destry's lawyer. Well? He said that that young fellow there, Mr. Pendrell, inherits 25,000 bucks in Mr. Destry's new will. Did you hear that, son? Do you see what you'd have gotten if you hadn't gone and killed him? He was keeping his promise, that's all. The fine lot of good it'll do me now. But look, Inspector, I've just talked to the medical examiner, and he says there's no poison in Mr. Destry's body. Say that again? There's no poison in the old man's body. Somebody's kidding you. An empty glass with the smell of mercury cyanide and a dead man with a congested face behind the mask? What did kill him, then? Well, you'd like to listen to Miss Andrews, Inspector. She's right here now. I think you'd better listen, Inspector. I've been trying to tell you all afternoon. Go ahead, Miss Andrews. I've been over and over it. But until they got the medical report, nobody would listen. Can you tell us what killed John Dessery? Yes. Poison killed him. But the sergeant's just been saying there was no poison in the body. Inspector, will you listen? I was at Mr. Destry's apartment late last night. Well, so what? Uh, you didn't kill him, did you? The servant said he'd gone to bed. So I looked into the study to see if there were any instructions. Was Mr. Destry dead then? I don't know. I couldn't see his body because it was hidden behind the desk. I didn't even learn he was dead until late this afternoon. But I did see a full glass of brandy. Uh, a full glass, did you say? Yes. So I picked up the glass and poured the brandy back into the decanter. That's what he always made us do. And I didn't leave any fingerprints because I was still wearing my gloves. And... That was the same glass you later found empty. But you still are not telling us what was the poison that killed John Destry. It was the poison in his own system. He worked out this plot to convict Bob Pendrell. Only just as he stretched out his hand to drink the cyanide... Inspector, I think I see it. It was his last great hour. He couldn't resist such gloating as he'd never known before. That's it. His heart wouldn't stand it. And he fell dead behind the desk. And I think, if you study the expression on his face... You'll find he died laughing. And so ends Will You Make a Bet with Death? Tonight's story of Suspense. The part of Bob Pendrell was played by Michael Fitzmorris. Betty was played by Leslie Woods. John Destry was played by Nicholas Joy. And in supporting roles were Ted DeCorsia and Charles Slattery. William Spear, the producer. Mark Sloeb, the director in the absence of John Dietz. And John Dixon Carr, the author. Our collaborators on... Suspense. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R I L E Y. And Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages 
for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal based about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.